0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Dear Father, again, we just thank you that on this third day of Mastering Anxiety that the people here who are having issues, who also have friends or family that have issues that can be a help to each other, can um, learn some techniques, especially from the Bible, that will help them to manage that anxiety. Lord, you are the great healer. We have great confidence in your ability to help us. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided so much care and information in the Bible that we can enjoy. And dear Father, I pray that you will just use me to help disseminate some of that information so that it will be helpful to others. I pray that you will be with our session. You will help us to um, do it correctly and that the right, with right information. And I thank you again, Lord, that you are here in our midst in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Have you had a good camp meeting so far? Yes, yes it has been cold. you know, it's like you need to watch out what you complain about because last year, they no, two years ago, they were saying it was way too hot and nobody could listen. So here we arranged for it to be cold, and now what are you doing? Now, by the way, I've been a therapist for a long time. You know, I've had people who've come back 20 years later So I've had like somebody who tells me, you know, 20 years ago, like, I just need a husband. Or I, you know, I live in an apartment and I just wish I had a house. Or, you know, I don't have any kids and I just, I wish I had a better job. So what do you think happens when they come back 20 years later? You know, I got this husband, and he doesn't help me with anything. It's just so annoying. And, you know, I have this house, and I am the only one who cleans it, and it's so big, I'm just so worn out. And trying to get the mortgage paid is so much, and these kids are driving me crazy. (laughs) And I got this job, and it's so stressful. And I'm like, watch out what you ask for, because we're never happy, right? Oh, so I just need to stay with what we're doing. Okay, so... um. (laughs) So let's just review some of the things. We already know what anxiety is. We know what panic attacks are. We have talked about some solutions. What are the solutions? Can you tell me a few of them just so that I know that you got it? Deep breathing was one of our best ones to do. What else? um, Reciting and repeating scripture. That is a comforting thought. Anything else? Music. Music soothes us and helps us. Anything else? What? Laughter. Oh, laughter. Laughter is the best medicine. That's a really good one, yep. That helps us. It increases our serotonin. Anything else? Exercise. We're actually going to talk a lot more about that today. Anything else? What? Touching. She, one of the things that she said is that um, she was having, do you mind if I say that? Having a problem, and she didn't know whether she wanted to go to church or whatever. And when somebody touched her, it was so comforting to her and it helped her anxiety go down. And you think about the people who need touch, especially the singles, divorced, widowed people who really desire touch. Elderly people, especially, touching their arm or whatever means so much to them. And there are people who calm down when that happens. So, here are some other things. Um, we said setting boundaries. People with anxiety don't always deal with things. Getting your thoughts under control. What did we call those thoughts? Yes. ANTS. Yes. An ANTS stands for what? Negative. Yep. Automatic negative thinking. Therapy can help. Medication or supplements. We don't need any, any losses in our supplements and in our, in our nutrition so that it causes more problems, especially our B vitamins. Cognitive behavioral therapy. What was that? Changing the way we we see things and or the sentences that we believe so that we can calm ourselves down. Avoiding caffeine. Socialization. Do you think that socialization is important? Why would you think that? What's going on during the pandemic? Loneliness. Absolutely so. Um, when people are not socializing, that's an issue. And socialization seems to calm us down. Some of us it can irritate us too, right? However, too little of it can be a problem. So we really do need something. I, I thought this is interesting from the book Geography of Bliss, where they studied the happiest countries. They, oh, by the way, the happiest country was not the United States. It was Switzerland and the and the Netherlands. And they found that people from the happiest countries have certain things in common. Family life, people are like, but I don't have a family. Guess what? Your church is your family, right? And there are many people who would say, I didn't get to choose my family, but I can choose my church members, right? And um, good friends and a sense of gratitude, and we are going to work on that a lot today. We cannot control our genes. And we cannot control all of our circumstances, but we can also rid ourselves of habits that cause us more anxiety. And that would be, what would be some habits that cause us anxiety? We've been learning, we're kind of doing a little review. What ifs, worrying, worst case scenarios, if only is regret, if only is Actually looking backwards, and I love the illustration that how can you drive forward in your car if you're always looking in the rearview mirror. It's really paralyzing. Recounting our problems over and over, that means that we need forgiveness. Don't, Don't Christians know a lot about forgiveness? Ruminating, yep, over and over. And intentionally being positive. I have to tell you, I have a little bit of choleric in my person. I have a lot of choleric in my <laughs> personality. See, you think I'm all a sanguine, right? No, I'm really very choleric, and so I want to really get to the meat of something, and I want to cut through the stuff, and I want to be only serious about what's going on in the news or whatever. I have to really think about, hi, how you doing? Now I'd like to tell you what I want to do, right? We got to do the sandwich, right? Or if you have a problem, like I have somebody who... Um, Wants to be a therapist and abide that I'm working with right now So my big thing is that I don't want this person I can tell already that I don't want them. They're not going to be nice to my people So I've been trying to think of how I'm going to say it and so I'm going to say I'm sure you're really gifted However, I just don't think this is a good fit for you, and I wish you well. Do You think that'll be good I'll still probably get really mad at me, but I'm going to try All right, and then the other thing is Intentionally bless people now, I'm going to take advantage of you. Many of you don't know the person that you're sitting next to, right? That's good. Am I getting your anxiety up? That's good. We're going to practice because it doesn't. we're not here to avoid your anxiety. We're here to work it through. I would like you to look at somebody near you, and I would like you to intentionally bless them by saying something positive to them. And it doesn't have to be that you don't have to know them or whatever here I you could say thank you for sitting next to me and not pinching me no (laughs) (laughs) I don't know thank you for not kicking me that sounds kinda negative doesn't it thank you for not sneezing on me now I'm like let me think I'm glad that you have the same interest as I do in this subject or I wish you well and I hope you're doing whatever I would like you to look at somebody and do that now there's three ladies here, and there's one right here. So would you turn on, you get to do her. Okay? All right, so right now, come on, you guys, work on it. Let's go. Just turn to somebody. Yeah, want to make sure. All right, back to your chairs. Let's roll. Did you feel good about that? Isn't it amazing that you can talk to somebody, and you can think of something? I, I was thinking about you could just say, I'm glad that you're my new friend, or I'm glad you're here at camp meeting, or... Isn't it a blessing to be here? And I'm blessed by seeing who you are, right? Did anybody say something nice to you? Anything was memorable? Who felt good about something that somebody said to them? Okay, what did they say? She said she liked my laugh. Oh, she liked your laugh. That's really nice. I remember, isn't there a song and sound of music? I love your laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, whatever. Nice and loud and clear. Oh, here I go again. I like your laugh too. Yeah. Oh, good. So anyhow, that felt good, didn't it? We really do need to get out of ourselves because one of the things is that anxiety is obsessing about ourselves over and over. And when we actually go towards another person and serve them, we feel better. We're going to talk about that a little more. Um, So let's go to another one, exercise. We, We haven't really talked about exercise, but you know exercise is important. And here it is. It helps expel adrenaline out of your body, and when we're more relaxed and calm, we deal with our issues and conflicts better. It gives us a little break from whatever we're working with, And it gives us stress relief, distraction, and releases endorphins, and it improves your sleep. By the way, I'd like you to all smile right now. I mean smile big. Okay? I want to make sure everybody's smiling. What do you think's happening right now in your brain, do you know? Your endorphins are being released because your brain thinks that you're happy. You may say, oh, I'm a happy Christian. Well, tell your face, right? Because we are all too. Or maybe you say, I would like to wipe that silly grin off of their face. Well, guess what? You're the crabby one and they're happier because they're getting all these neurotransmitters going to their brain telling them that they're happy. So that's a good thing. So exercise is good. We also talked about prayer. Do you remember that? Prayer is really important when you pray, and when people pray for you, you are getting the benefits. They found that in studies. Music, relaxation. Oh, how, how do you relax? Does anybody know? Actually, stretching, stretching your muscles, thinking about your body, relaxing from your head all the way down to your toes. Um, breathing, eating fresh food, actually some kind of the chemicals like um, food colorings, etc., actually add to your anxiety. Making friends. I would like to encourage you that you will make three new friends while you're here at camp meeting. Just saying, what can you say to somebody you don't know that you see? Yeah, where are you from. That's a good one. Yep. Instead of who are you? You could say, My name is Lori. What's your name? Right? Hello. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? That's, hey, would you all say hello to him? Hi. See, well, this is sound like an AA group. Hi, Dave. Yeah. Wow, well that's that's really good. And I don't know what classroom you'll be in, but I'm going to be in this one. Okay. <laughs> all right. I got a rowdy group, don't I? I don't know how that happens. My husband says, you'd love to work those crowds. And I'm like, I don't know why. I just did a lot of group therapy in hospitals, and they can be really boring. Okay, perfectionism. What could be a problem with perfectionism? Never perfect. Well, is that true? But we want to be. What's wrong with want to be? Whose rules is that? My rules. My rules. Did anyone ever make you feel like you needed to be perfect? How many of you have grown up? Why is it that we're still doing some of that? I actually have a a person who I've been talking to, and she said that her mother always critiqued her clothing, critiqued how she acted, how she looked, what she said. But she's 35 now. So why is she still doing it? We have to recognize that every day is what? A new day. This is the day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And every day I get to do what I need to do, right, with God's help. So we need to recognize that we shouldn't be carrying on things from the past. We have a new day to do the right thing. These are self-imposed rules, and it puts a little bit pressure on us, would you say? It puts a lot of pressure on us. Being perfect, it means, by the way, could it impact your anxiety? Does it help? Oh, by the way, perfectionists have a problem. They struggle with saying the word. Remember that, what was that word? No. Remember, we worked on that. Can we all say that again? No. Okay. So they have a hard time doing that. They also have fear that they're letting people down. Actually, they can get more concerned about another person than their own boundaries. Is that a bad thing? Yeah, we do have to take care of ourselves, and there are times when we can't do everything all the time. Is that right? But there are many people in this category of perfectionism that feel that they need to do it. And what happens when they don't perform right? What what feelings do they get? They feel guilty, guilty, guilty. Hmm. She asks, i got to do this. So you're asking if the oldest child feels more guilty than other kids in other play, I mean other positions in the family. And yes, they look to their parents more than they look to their siblings. And so when they look to their parents they have a higher expectation. So yes, I don't want to dwell on that, but They often feel like they are the hero person and they have to show that everything is good with them. And they're also the one who was told, you know, take care of your brothers and sisters and you should have known better because you, yeah, right? So like, okay, so we got that, huh? By the way, we have another handout and it's on self-talk and perfectionism. This is an issue, getting rid of that perfectionism. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do things right. But to have this measuring stick that we can never make up on like it is a self um, uh, it's a false guilt thing that we keep putting on ourselves. What's the difference between real guilt versus false guilt? Okay, what's real guilt? Over sin. When the Lord is convicting us over sin so that we will uh, apologize, acknowledge it, confess it and repent of it so we can get on, right? So then we do that, and then we still feel guilty. What's that about? If the Lord dismissed it as far as the east is from the west, why is it that we're still having a problem with it? Because the devil's like, you know, I don't know that he really forgave you on that. I I had a mother whose kid was getting along, I mean, she's a college student, was getting into all kinds of trouble and she'd messed up the car and she wasn't doing any duties at home during the summer when she she was in college and she had not been paying her her bills, etc., and her mother just kept saying, you know, I just, I, I can't make her do that, I, and then I kept saying, why can't you make her do that? Don't you have some power over her? You got, you're doing the school bill and all the rest, and then she said, well, you know, I adopted her when she was four, and she came to us from this other country, and she had bruises on her, and I know that somebody abused her, and I said, uh-huh, and she said, well, I just think she's had such a hard life, and I said, uh-huh, did you do that? Well, no, but I just feel bad. I'm like, does she even remember it? Well, I don't know, but, you know, I just feel like she's had such a What is that? That's called false guilt. And so because I have false guilt over that, I tolerate bad behavior. We have to recognize that there is real guilt and false guilt. The other thing that can cause anxiety in being perfectionistic is that I have to have everything a certain way before I can do something. what is that called procrastination if I don't have time to do it right then I better not do it at all the all-or-nothing behavior which is a really bad thing so perfectionism is a huge hindrance to getting over anxiety any of you have those issues okay we're gonna go on to the next one and again every day we fight against flesh, and blood, don't we? And we have to recognize that the devil is stirring the pot all the time, and so we have to keep thinking about it. There are some, um, there's a handout called Exercises About Worry, and and I really want to refer to that. It's a wonderful thing. Here's, somebody was talking to me during the, um, one of these days, one of these times, about their problems with sleep, waking up in the middle of the night. How many of you have had that experience and your mind is gone, right? So I like kind of an imagery thing that I do with clients. And that is there are times when we need to be concerned about something because we have to work it out. We could write it out, you know, the pros and cons, or we've made a decision. And then actually, because we're a perfectionist, we're like, "Oh, that might not be the right decision, so we don't you know we keep going back and forth so it's not a good thing so I have the little worry box so I'd like you to close your eyes for a minute and we're going to talk about the worry box the worry box is on your desk and when you have a worry that you really don't need to be worrying about at this moment I would like you to take off the cover of that worry box and place that worry in the box and then I would like you to put that box lid back on. Now the devil's going to go, but you know you need to worry about that. You know that there's a problem. You know you haven't really made up your mind. You know there there's, could be a new part of this. And I would like to say to you that you need to keep that worry in the box until you've decided when you're going to con- be concerned about it. Maybe it's at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Maybe it's in the morning as soon as you get up, but you can't worry about it in the middle of the night. Okay, and then when you're ready, you take that box, and you open the lid, and you pull it out, and then you can work on it. Okay? So you can open your eyes now. Many times when we put it in the box, it gives our brain a rest. And have you ever been with kids all day and then... You go home and then you've been with more kids. I don't know, some of you are teachers or you do daycare. And it's wearing because you're doing the same thing all the time. When we do the same thing all the time, we keep obsessing about that worry. We're never fresh and we never really actually work it through as well as we need to work it through because we're worn out already. Ever heard of burnout? You ever feel burned out about certain things? Put it in your worry box. The Lord said he's going to take our burdens. Maybe... Instead of a box, you need to think about putting it on his shoulders. Dear God, I'm going to give that to you, and I'm not going to take it back until, yeah. I was just going to say that one of the things that I worry about the most during the night is something that I forgot. Okay. I forgot I was supposed to do that, and then that's what causes so much stress. Okay, so one of the things she says is that at night she, she often thinks about something that she forgot about. And here's one of the encouragement things that I would tell you. <clears throat> oh, okay. And the thing is is so the best thing for me is I can't put it in that box because at that time because I'm going I'm going to forget it again. Mm-hmm. And so I keep a little notepad and pen next to my bed. Now, where did you get that great idea? <laughs> so what I was going to say is you should keep a notebook with a pen right by your <laughs> right by your bed. And I think that I probably already told you about it, but anyway, you put it on your bedstand and you write it down and you choose that you're not gonna think about it because it's already written down and it stays on your notebook and it, it doesn't bother you because you don't have to keep juggling, will I forget it, will I forget it, will I forget it? What a great idea. I just wanna give you credit for that, a short statement. hmm I had blind camp two years ago. The day we started went out. I put that car in my worry box. I don't know if that was good to put it in the worry box. It's a little big. So his car went out on the day that he had this big responsibility and you put it in your worry box, and what happened? You did find? Oh, it was when you got to camp that your car went out. Okay, I thought it was before you went, and I thought, well, you must have had a great week, and they all had a great time, but without you. Well, that's really good. All right. All right, so here's another thing. One of the things, when we're being negative, we should be what? Positive. So the opposite of negative is positive. Is there another word for how do we become positive? We do what? We are being what? Grateful. See, I wanted you to guess that word. How come you didn't guess that word that time? Because I wanted you to connect into the next thing. Okay. I'm grateful. Grateful is something that doesn't just happen. Are they cute or what? That's my boy. Anyway. And he found just the perfect woman, and I'm grateful. I have to tell you, you know, he'd keep me up on the phone every night, and I hardly ever get phone calls anymore. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I love my son. But I'm grateful, and grateful is, actually, we aren't always grateful. You've heard about the glasses half full. We, don't, we aren't always looking at the, the half full part. We're always looking at the half empty. We have to, in this sinful world, be on purposely um, looking at the gratefulness, and so we need to cultivate gratefulness. And gratefulness is thankful appreciation for what we've received. And it could be real or unlike, what do you say? It's something you can see and something you can't see. Gratefulness helps people, again to re- this is research, feel more positive emotions. Relish good experiences, improves their health, and deals with adversity, and builds strong relationships. People who are grateful together are happier together. Did you know that? Actually, I have a a grateful meditation that is your handout number 13. Just want you to know about that. So we're going to go on to this. Um, Actually... This is part of the illustration I mean this is part of the workshop that I did for the General Conference. Did you know they had an online camp meeting at the General Conference this year? It was very exciting. Um, however, I couldn't get my computer to work right before it, and it was a worldwide seminar. And my husband um, got me this brand new computer because he figured, well, maybe it was because my computer was having problems. What I found out is it's incompatible with other computers when you need extra. Anyway, so we were having lots of problems, and then the internet started to act up, and it was coming up to one o'clock when I was supposed to do that. It's it was not a grateful feeling, let me tell you. So my husband and I we prayed about it, and five minutes. Why is it the Lord waits till the last minute? Five minutes before things started to connect and things started to go, and they told me. Laura, you can go, and it went without a hitch. And I have to tell you, I'm so grateful. And I had to be grateful because I was talking about being grateful. So one of the things is that grateful gratitude changes you and your brain, and there are loads of studies about it now. And people who are grateful, by the way, did you know that they are much more happier and less depressed and have less anxiety. Would you guess that? There was a study by Joel Wong and Joshua Brown about how gratitude changes you and your brain. And here's what their experiment looked like. Researchers checked at four weeks and 12 weeks. They asked three different groups to do something. They pointed out that individuals who write gratitude letters to a person made the biggest difference in their lives. They asked people to be grateful. They ask people to write certain things. I'm looking. I'm like, I feel like I got a a slide out of of here, whatever. Oh, did I skip ahead? It's a good thing my clients are... Oh, there it is. The group one received only counseling. Group two received counseling and journaled on any of their negative experience. And group three received counseling and wrote a letter of gratitude to someone each week for three weeks. At the end of the three weeks, which, what is significant about three weeks? That's how long it takes to work on a new habit, right? It doesn't always happen with me. Sometimes it needs to be six weeks. But they did that, and the ones that did the best were not group number one, was not group number two, but group number three said that those people were lower on the scales of anxiety and depression, and that, moreover, the effect lasted for weeks. Interesting. Now I know why my mother made me make um, write all of those thank you notes to people. She always knew better. How many of you have heard about Blue Zones? Some of you may even have participated in that. Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, the only people group in the United States that lived the longest and healthiest. And they found out that they had this high quality of life. Some of them were surgeons. Some of them were nurses. Some of them were working in the community. Some of them were little um, visitors at the hospital at Loma Linda. They were giving out trays. And they found out that, you know, they said that, yes, they were doing well because they exercised and they also ate healthy. But one of the things that they thought was really significant is that they think thankful thoughts before they go to sleep. And I'm thinking that Adventists do that because they're thanking God for their day. Don't you think? Probably that's what it is. I don't think they just sat there and go, hmm, what I wonder what happened good today. I think they were praying and thanking God for that. But that wasn't all. Many of them observed the Sabbath day, which was a rest. We just talked about getting burned out. Like, we need a break. And the Sabbath was a break from their work. And they really felt that the Sabbath was significant to their happiness. They also found out that people on Sabbath do things like sing happy songs, go for walks, look at nature. And they said that they found that being in nature and even viewing the scenes reduced the anger, fear, and stress in their lives. Exposure to nature made people feel better emotionally. So all those things in the blue zones. Shouldn't you all be happy people? Because you also are enjoying the Sabbath and celebrating the Sabbath. Let me tell you, if you're just going home and having your lay activities, you are missing out on a great pleasure. They also visited the sick, and there's something about service that made people happy. So it's a good thing. Gratitude, people who are grateful. That's By the way, that's my mother over here. She's 91, and she is a happy person. I mean, if I take her for French fries, she says, now, wasn't that fun? That was like a picnic when we sat in the car. I'm like, well, it was cold, and I didn't want to go in. Yes, but it was just so fun to spend time with you and Bob. She just goes on and on. She's happy. And, And I, yes, and she, lately, because we're going to Tennessee, she's been seeing all of her doctors for the last time. Well, they're all her personal friends. And one of them said, aren't you going to be upset to leave and go to Tennessee? And she said, I don't know. I think it'll be just fine. And he said, well, if not, you can come back and live with me. And then she's like, did you hear him? He wants me to live with him. I'm like, he's cute, Mom, but he's not your age. (laughs) Okay. I'd like you to read this. You know, by the way, the Bible's been telling us about gratefulness for a long time, right? So let's read this. A joyful heart is good medicine. Do you believe that? So why would we call it medicine? We're going to be healthier, we get healed, and it helps our brain, right? Mrs. White was talking about this in the 1800s. I always am amazed when we look at these studies, because if they had just looked at Mrs. White or the Bible, they would have already known these things. But they're like confirming some of the things that we already know. So let's read this quote. Are you Ready? Nothing tends more to promote health of body and of soul than does a spirit of gratitude and praise. It doesn't promote your health even better unless you do this. Isn't that amazing? And so, here's another one. Gratitude helps us feel better or be better. Don't you think it's both? Yeah. Here's another thing to read. Let's go to this one. Train your mind to see the good in everything. Okay, guess what? Does that say, just let it happen? Just hope for the best? It says to do what to your mind? Do you realize how intentional we need to be? I mean, I can give you all these wonderful skills, and you have learned a lot of things right this week, but unless you practice them, you will not have the success that you need in anxiety. So let's read this. Positivity is a choice. Ha- the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Is that true? How many of you know that they got you got ants in your brain? What are those ants? Automatic negative thoughts, and you can turn them into what? Positive. What well, positive reality base? Let's say that. Okay. And then here's the other thing: when they looked at people who are grateful, and that they did some work. Actually, the New York study—you um, knew it. Wow! The New York Times did a study and claimed that participants who intentionally practice gratitude practice. Well, wow. I'm going to say it again: New York Times did a study, 2012, and claimed participants who intentionally practice gratitude displayed these behaviors. Let's read those. Better physical health, exhibited less anxiety, less depression, said it helped them improve their personal relationships. Is that a good thing? Remember when we talked about the biology of getting a groove in your brain? Another thing that they found out is people with gratefulness, when they practice gratefulness, that minimizes that groove in their brain. And they said that it actually... Snuffs out those baser human instincts like anger, frustration, being offended, or whatever, and made room for goodwill to flourish. So you know, my mom, she does watch the news, and I called her this morning. How are you doing? She's like, Do "You know how many shootings there are?" I'm like, "No, I'm at camp meeting, and I'm not paying attention." She's like, "They just are talking about it all over," and. Even President Biden's going to get on and talk about it. I'm like, well, I need a break from it, and I'm at camp meeting, and I don't need to think about it. And I said, but if they were being grateful, they wouldn't be offended all the time, right? And we really need to say nice things to people and to bless people and say good things, whether we get a response or not, because it's really good for us. It amazes me when God tells us to do something Because it is really not for him, it's for us. So being grateful is very good for us health-wise, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so how many times does the Bible say to praise him? Did you believe that? How many times? Did you realize that? Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, did you really think that was for, for him or was it for you? And then it mentions Thanksgiving in the Bible over a hundred times. Does that mean that you should only be grateful at Thanksgiving? That's a good thing, because that's not true, is it? We need to do that. Arlene Taylor, she is a professor, and she does brain health, and she's an Adventist professor, and she said that when she was looking at prayers, prayers that focus on gratitude, not like, Lord, why do I have such a miserable life? But, you know, I know you can make my life better because I'm really... Having problems in this area. Like she said, when you focus on gratitude in your prayers, or you focus on awe that God is so good and that He's been so kind to you and He's working things out, that they found specific things in their studying about how it reduced anxiety and it lowered a person's blood pressure. Do you have high blood pressure? Think about gratefulness. It makes a big difference. Here's another thing that the Bible says, and I think it's really important. We're told about it in Philippians, and I'd like you to read about it with me. Be anxious for what? How much do you need to be anxious for? Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to know God. So we need to recognize that I can't take care of all the things on my agenda. God needs to take care of them. We need to set them on his shoulders, right? Cultivating faith helps us with anxiety. And praise God about that, isn't it? So another thing is that we need to recognize that what we're thinking about is very important. And we have to focus on the good things. Maybe you have to write them on little cards. Maybe you have to play tapes in your car, maybe you have to have music going, whatever, because it says, and let's read this, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Does meditate mean just have a a fast thought about it? It means to dwell on it, doesn't it? How many of you are really good at dwelling on a problem? how many of you can take it off your brain and flip it for another record right very important we are asked to do these things for again our own benefit how long does it make a pa- how long does it take to make a pattern or a habit yet yeah, they say 21 days but we need to really focus on it we need to create new pathways in our brain and so that it's not as hard You know, there's another problem, and that is, it's even mentioned in the Bible. What would have something to do with negative thinking? Can you think of anything? Thou shalt not what? Covet, good, we got a good answer there. Much of our negative thinking is about covetousness, comparing ourselves to others. I wish I looked like that person. I wish I had their life. I wish I had their spouse. I wish I had their degree. I wish I had more power. I wish people liked me better. If only I had done this. Isn't that covetousness? Do you ever think about your thinking can actually break the commandments every day? That doesn't make you bad. It means that you have a struggle and you've got to go to the Lord to have him clean that up for you. So again, we have to really work on it. Be intentional. Another way to feel good and to lower our anxiety is to do service for one another. Uh, let me just ask it briefly, is there anyone here who works in community services? Okay. Is there anybody who is building the bunk beds down there? Okay. Was there anybody who has been helping somebody here on the campground maybe who had a child and they needed to hold them while they were eating or whatever? Anybody? Like there are, how many of you have held the door open for someone? Okay, isn't that a good thing? It helps us grow and it challenges us. We need to look for those opportunities to bless people. It helps us to see somebody beyond ourselves because when we get really focused on ourselves we're having trouble. Mayo Clinic says that volunteering Leads to lower rates of depression and anxiety, especially for individuals 65 and older. Volunteering increases social interaction and it build, builds a social support system based on common interests. Shouldn't all Adventists be doing something for other people? Yeah. So here's some more things children, youth, struggle with self-esteem often get fixated on what they have or don't have what they wish they had whatever one of the best ways to help your kid grow is to have them do service any kinds of service that you did as a young person that you really enjoyed how many of you have been on a mission trip does that take your focus off yourself amen actually you have a kid that's acting out the best thing you can do is send them on a mission trip right What's some other things that we can do with our kids to help them be of service in our community? Can you think of any? In-gathering, oh, they might not agree with that, right? In-gathering, yep. I had kids come to my door at my trailer today collecting money for missions. I don't know what mission, and I was hoping it went to a mission. But anyway, how about doing service things like picking garbage up? Even that's okay, right? Habitat for Humanity. Um, one of the things is if you are having a really selfish teenager, the best thing you can do is get them out there and working, right? Yep, that really helps their self esteem. They really start thinking about other people. At least two hours per week of volunteerism stretched out over many years reduces a person's mortality rate by 40%. Isn't that shocking? It doesn't just bring us enjoyment, it helps us live longer. And then there's another study that showed that people who volunteer and who work with other people, the inflammation in their body goes down as well. And inflammation can cause major medical problems. Here's something from Mrs. White. I think we should read it. Let the perplexed ones search out to others who are in perplexity and speak to them words of hope. When they begin to do this work, the light of heaven will reveal to them the path that they should follow. By their words of consolation to the afflicted, they themselves will be consoled. You know, Albert Ellis, many people think he's like the father of psychology. He was back in the 60s in New York City. And he had a seminar and some lady put her hand up. You know, one of those probably had way too many things to say. And she went on about her life and how bad it was. And you know what he said to her? He said, ma'am, one of the things you need to do is quit thinking about your own problems. You need to go over on the other side of the tracks and try to meet the needs of somebody else. And then I would love to have you come back and talk to me about how you're doing. I never heard about the ending. But it's kind of an interesting thought because that's what Mrs. White said, isn't it? That by serving other people, we have a better time. Yeah, when we focus on ourselves, I don't want to be put in a situation. I don't want to go into that place where I'm going to be upset. I don't want anyone to hurt me, whatever. Like, the more we focus on ourselves, the sicker we get, the more we focus on others, the better we get. Isn't that interesting? Here's more. Let's read this one. By helping others, they themselves will be helped out of their difficulties. Joy takes the place of sadness and gloom. Does that sound like a great promise? I like that. There's more. The heart filled with the Spirit of God glows with warmth toward every fellow being. Every such is a one who's no longer in darkness, for his darkness is as the noonday. Can you tell I'm having problems with the font of 12 on my computer? It's too far away. So here's one more thing to think about, and that is awe. Awe. What does awe mean? Beholding something great, right? Awe. So this man, um, he studied about looking for things in everyday life that gave us awe. He said that it reminds us that we're not the center of the universe, that there's something out there that's greater than us. You know, he's not doing it from a Christian perspective. And he said that when we're full of wonder, that it impacts us in many positive ways. It makes us more kind and thoughtful considerate of others, and we are more captivated and encouraged, enthusiastic about things, all kinds of stuff. So he took his students, I think this was at Harvard, he had them look up at the trees. They were just to look up at the trees. And then he did this little trick thing. He had a lady who stooped over. She was an actress. And she stooped over, and she walked by the people, and she had a, I don't know, a cup of, of pencils, I guess. And she dropped them all over. And the students, when they saw it, they all ran over, almost hitting heads, trying to pick up her pencils. But he had her do he had this woman do this all over the campus. The everyday kids that were rushing to class hardly ever stopped. But the ones that were in awe of looking at those trees were the ones that were the most helpful. He also took them to pictures, like he took them to the museum where they looked at big dinosaur bones or whatever, and they were in awe, and then he had somebody do that again. And sure enough, they all picked it up. So what he recognized is that when we see a bigger picture than ourselves, we are just more compassionate with other people. And so... Um, I just wanted to say, when you look at a photo like this, what do you think? Yeah, I like the word, aw. Isn't that beautiful? I just looked, I said, I, I went to the internet and looked up, what are some awesome pictures of nature? What do you think about when you see this? Whoa, right? Probably Photoshop, but hey, love it. What about this? Isn't it just nice to behold beautiful pictures? But what about when you're in person, in nature? They're awesome, right? Here's what they found were the effects of awe. There was an increase in cooperation, more self-sacrifice, more belief in God, more sharing, more humility, more creativity, greater sense of community, less self-righteous, better well-being. What is God's second book? Do you think that that's important for us to spend time in? And it doesn't matter where you live, there's usually something beautiful somewhere near you, right? Nature fills us with awe, and it draws us to who? We really need to take some of our Sabbath time to be in awe. Nature is something that draws us to God. And so many of us are just looking at the close things around our house, and we need to not do that especially the quarantine. Too many of us stayed home too long. It wasn't good for us. A UCLA professor who conducted a study on gratitude asked students to keep journals for 21 days. Again, 21 days, significant to what? A habit. They were to write down all the things they could think of to be thankful for, and they couldn't repeat anything. It said that they really had full journals when they were done. And after the 21 days, they did a pretest about how they felt about things. And then they did a post-test after that 21 days. And here's what they said. The students said they had higher energy levels, more enthusiasm and motivation. They coped better with stress. Hey, ding, 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 ding. You get that? They slept better. They had better self-worth. They felt more positive about their lives. Ding, 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 ding. Okay? More- This is not a a game show, is it? Okay, more generous, enjoyed life more. You know, Dr. Amen, I've talked to you about him quite a bit because I am very inspired by him. And one of the things he said is that when we go to bed at night, you know, we said the Adventists probably praise God for everything. He said that he had people say to themselves, what went well today? And then he watched their sleeping habits. And the ones who did that had vastly improved on their sleeping. Just something like that. Okay, so I'd like you to read this with me. Ready? And I want you to read it like you're, you're annoying, you're, you're, you're telling a child that they need to behave, okay? Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Is that true? You agree? Set your mind on the things above, not on the earth. We're to make a conscious choice to change our thought um, patterns. If you want to change your thoughts, you have to change about what you're thinking. If you want to change your feelings, you have to change what you're thinking about. Um, Do you believe the promises of God? Will your faith increase when you think about those? Can you minimize your anxiety by some of the things that you've done in here? Okay. Whatever your trials or challenges you face, Jesus is coming again, right? And pretty soon we won't have to work on these things. It'll be easy because we'll have new brains and new bodies. So another thing is to make sure that you're singing about peace now. God did not create our bodies and minds to manage our stress well. Do you agree? We just don't handle it well. And When we trust God, there is nobody that can handle it better than us. We can finally be at rest knowing that we are fully loved and accepted. And if we're rooted in joy, peace, and trust, then God has really accomplished much more in our life. He can do that every day for us when we ask. Okay. Before, I, I know we're like winding down. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, no, it's not. I'm happy that we're, 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 we're going to talk about pot tomorrow. <laughs> And opioids on Friday, but i'm I'm happy that you were all here. I, I think it's a privilege that you were all here. I would like to ask, and I'll try to repeat for the microphone, was there something in these three days that you felt was going to be helpful to you to decrease anxiety? It could be somebody else's anxiety. You don't have to admit that you have anxiety, okay? It could be somebody else's anxiety. but is there anything that you feel? that we've talked about that will be helpful for you to decrease anxiety. Anybody? The scripture texts are very helpful. Okay, wonderful. The way we think influences the way we feel. Being grateful. Well, you got that today, didn't you? Trying to help other people rather than help yourself, which, by the way, You know, that always makes me want to go on another branch. They were looking at people. You know how people are like, I just don't have any time for myself. And they looked at people who, like men, (laughs) right, David? Men. Okay. You said your name was David. Now I got your name. Okay. So they looked at men who made themselves happy by getting on the computer, watching sports, and um, spending time in their man cave. And then they asked them, are you happy with your life? Guess what? They weren't as happy with their life as when they were working with their children and doing family items and things like that and, and spending time with uh sick relatives or whatever. They might or when they were doing volunteer things, they were much happier. So when you think I could be happier doing my own thing, it wasn't really true. It didn't come out that way. Other things that are helpful to you that you have learned this week that you think would be Helpful to you to decrease anxiety. Not to procrastinate. Yeah, procrastinate means I'm being a perfectionist. I have to have everything the same way. I think the whole list She said the whole list will be helpful. I want you to know everybody is different. And there are going to be things that are going to be very helpful to you that may not be helpful to others. I've learned that. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a textbook and we go, according to paragraph two, this is what you need to do. But this is about deep breathing, looking, playing an instrument, um, uh, breathing, uh, relaxation, do a stretch, do light exercise, cook. That makes me happy. Um, All those things. And so if you didn't get that list, let me know. Anything else? Love is a principle, not a feeling, and we need to recognize that. Okay, anything else? The green and red thinking. We need to make sure that we are not thinking in that negative ant way, those ants. We have to do the positive thing, and we also have to redo. Oh, I read the newsletter today. Did anybody read the newsletter today? And somebody, I just thought it was a great illustration. Somebody said that when their pastor went, That they, their dad said, "What are we going to do now? I don't know what to do on how to help a church when the pastor is gone." And I think that you know this is going to be a big mess to me. How could we undo that? Let's let's make that into a positive situation. I'm just giving you an example. The pastor is gone, and I don't think that I don't know what we're going to do now without him. What would you say instead? I guess I have an opportunity to see how the Lord works with us when we have our pastor gone. Wouldn't that be a good one? Mm -hmm. Yes, and maybe somebody in the so the way we talk about it is what sets us up for a problem. Or you know, let's see what the Lord does by working with us and see where we're going. Maybe oh, I shouldn't say that since my husband's the ministerial director. Maybe we'll get a better pastor next time around. No. No, you know, the truth is that pastors, there are people who have certain strengths and the next one has maybe some strengths that would be better for that congregation. I saw a hand. Okay. Oh, no. Well, it was positive in the end. Yes, I'm just, I just selected the ones. Well, isn't that wonderful? So that's the, and that's the rest of the story. <laughs> All right, so you have to decide, are you going to fight anxiety or are you going to let it take over you? Will you choose faith over fear? Will you focus your mind on what's true? Godly thoughts instead of Satan's distortions? Will you feel afraid? Will you recognize that the Lord is with you all the time, 24-7? Will you decide that even if you're not in control, that God's in control? Even if you don't know the future, can you recognize that the Lord's got you in His hands? If you agree to that, why don't you stand and I'll pray for you? And I hope you come and see Hot Tomorrow. <laughs> Dear Father, I just pray for each person here. I thank you for the opportunity to minister to them. I thank you, Lord, that you were working here in this session. I pray that you will be with each one of them because, Lord, you want to see their minds heal and you want to see the people that are in their lives that are struggling helped by the things that they can share. I thank you, Lord, that you have taken things over, that you are a kind God, that we don't have to do penance or crawl on our knees to go and get your help because you're always available 24-7 just by us asking. And I pray, Lord, for each person here to have the growing experience that you long for them to have because they've been here at camp meeting. I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to be with this camp meeting until it is done in your holy name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.